It's 5 a.m. Do you know where your children are? Mine are in bed. I should be in bed. It's Mother's Day. But I'm not. Wanna know why? Because I'm a clean freak. I am talking freaky deaky Dutch. If you were to lock me away in a white room in a straitjacket, it would actually feel comforting. As long as the walls were spotless and nobody wore shoes. I can actually feel the house getting dirty. Like I have nerve endings in the carpet. And it affects me. Wanna know how? First, I feel distracted. Distracted. D-I-S-O. So see, like right now, I'm thinking of the cleaning supplies I left out and how one of the kids is gonna get up and drink Clorox and then I'd end up having to call poison control and they'd say, sorry, Mrs. Field, too many times this month and take my kids away. Too many times this month, Miss Field. We're here to take your children away. <sighs> I've played it all out. I'm sure you've played this all out. Which is kind of morbid. After I feel distracted, I feel stressed. Then I have a moment. <laughs> me having a moment with my daughter. Hun, about the stress level. What? Well, it's a little high. Gee, uh, the kind of psycho thing you just did. Did you just call me psycho? No. Did you just call no. me psycho? No, no. It was a little psycho. This is me having a moment with some helpless newlyweds. We just wanted to say congratulations and savor this moment in your life. So when I started to speak, I, I thought it would help. But then the words just started coming out of me like lava. Cause you're gonna blink seriously like blink and it's all gonna be over and replaced with just volume. Like just oh, amazing, amazing, beautiful volume. Look at that, look at that look on her face. That's the look of a girl whose fairy tale just ended. I murdered it. I am a fairy tale murderer. It only takes so much before you crack. the Bruce Banner of stay-at-home moms. He doesn't want to turn into the Hulk. It just happens. Which is exactly how I feel. I love my kids. I love my husband. My, my minivan, my minivan is awesome. I have this incredible life. So why do I feel this way? Uh, you know, few movies actually, I think, peg things well, but that movie, Mom's Night, I really pegged things very well. And this morning, we are talking about peace, and I wanted to show a clip that was anything but peace so that we could kind of get our minds around it, because so often, we lose our inner battles of peace. We find that knowing what is right isn't always connected to doing what is right. We say we are honest. But then we compromise. We, we value friendships. But then we have no time. We declare marriage and family first. Only to be too busy, too tired, too stressed out. Our job dictates. Our appetites entice. Our, our addictions scream. It pokes holes in our stomach. It clogs our arteries. It ruptures blood vessels in our head. We all struggle at times to find peace. But peace is simply this. So we're talking about this morning. It's what I hope I can leave you with 
It's what I hope the Holy Spirit can leave you with by the end of this teaching. And is the absence of enduring inner conflict. The absence of inner conflict. And of course, the opposite of peace is worry and anxiety, which is often paired with the twin cousins of anger and depression. Worry, anxiety, anger, and depression. I am talking about 95% of our country right now. Worry, anxiety, anger, depression. Just because we're the richest nation on earth doesn't mean that we in our wealth have blown away those four artery cloggers, headache makers, and ulcer producers. Amen? So let's look at some of the top 10 worries in the United States. I mean, since we're on the subject, let's just go ahead and drive it home. Uh, Some top 10 worries in the United States. Number 10 is this. I worry about my diet. I know I'm not eating as good as I should, and it's causing worry. Number nine, job security. I could get fired, or my business could go under. You never know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to have a job tomorrow. Number eight, paying the rent or the mortgage. Costs are rising. Houses are going up. Rent's going up. I don't know if I'm going to have a place to stay. Number seven, credit card debt. I am paying for things that are years in the past. I can't even remember what I bought. I don't even remember if I liked it, but I'm still paying on it, and it causes worry and anxiety. Low energy, number six. How many of you would say, you know what? I don't feel as strong as I used to feel, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 right, yeah. I don't feel as strong as I used to feel. And it can begin to cause anxiety, realizing that not only does our body have limitations, but that those limitations get narrower and narrower the older that we get. Number five, loans. I'm living beyond my means, and I know it. Just because you can make the payment doesn't mean you should have the payment. Number four, overall fitness. How do I look to the world? What is, what is my image? Is my image fit and strong and buff, or, or is it anything but that? You know? <laughs> Number three, lack of savings and retirement. Now I live, I'm, now I, I'm not talking about me personally, but now I live paycheck to paycheck. If I live paycheck to paycheck now, what's going to happen when I need to retire? Or, if I, or can I ever retire? Will, or will I have to work until my dying breath? Aging, number two, just general process of aging. Aging as it relates to health. I know today I'm doing okay, but what does my tomorrow health look like? And then number one, relationships. This is the number one worry, anxiety, anger, and depression thing right here, relationships, and it all goes down to this question. Do I belong to a community that cares about me. One of my goals for this church is that we answer that question with a resounding yes. You belong to a community that cares about you. We may not completely get you. We may not completely under, do you think I completely understand Mark Christian? He's been my close friend for eight years. I'm still learning things about the guy, you know? Ask Rebecca, his wife, she's still learning things about He is a mysterious enigma. You'll never get the truth. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but that Marx can say, I belong to a community that knows me 
and loves me and accepts me. Mark, do you feel that way? Amen. So that's the number one worry. If you really look down at this list, it kind of boils down into three main categories. Health, finances, and relationships. Every day we wake up, my health, my money, and my friends, right? My body, my money, and my friends. How are those things doing? And sometimes all three of them are doing great, and so we kind of have a false peace. But we know in the back of our mind, they may be doing great today, but who knows what tomorrow may bring. On average, we worry about 14.31 hours per week. That's more than a day of work per week. Unless you might have my day, that's about a day of work right there. 744 hours per year, 1,885 days in a lifetime. And check this out, five, survey said, five, look at that picture. Isn't that, isn't that the best picture to go with that slide? 5.2 years of our life spent in worry. And my question for you this morning, church, is this. How would you like to get a few of those years back? I think it's almost impossible that that number will ever be zero for anybody. But what, what would happen if we could knock off a year? What would happen if we could knock off two and a half years, you know? What if we could knock off some of that time? You're not just not worrying anymore. You're getting your life back. You're getting the life that God had designed you to live. The life you were born to live. Now some of you at this point may be saying, come on Tom, now isn't it just being responsible to be concerned about some of the things? The mortgage doesn't pay for itself. Marriages, they need investment. Vitamins are a responsible way to take care of your body. And, and, and it's a resounding yes, yes, yes. God is not saying to blow off all concerns in this life. Make the wise plans you have to make. Make the decisions and do what you can do. And then after you've done all you can done, done all you can done. And then after you can done all you done. It's, you know, before I moved here, I couldn't switch into that as quickly and as easily. Eight years of Bakersfield has elongated my vowels. <laughs> After you've done all you can done, <laughs> leave it as a concern, but not a worry. You lose the peace of God when a concern becomes a worry. Worry happens when you can't think of anything else. It's an all-consuming dwelling upon the turmoil and our own powerless in the face of negative possibilities. How do you know when it's a concern or a worry? Because a concern and a worry can feel very similar. I'm concerned about this. I'm worried about this. When does it kind of tip over into worry and now you're losing 5.2 years of your life? Here's a little three-question test that I kind of like to put it through to see. And the first one is this. Is it the first thing you fret about in the morning and the last thing that you think about at night? Then it's a worry. You know it is the turmoil of your own powerlessness is dominating your thoughts. And now it's being fueled by fear. The second thing, do you bring it up often in conversations? Do you bring it up often? You know? Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll have a, you know, buddy or whatever, and, and, you know, we'll talk, you know, and 
And all of a sudden, consistently, what I hear is, yeah, I don't have enough money. Yeah, I don't have enough money. Yeah, I don't have enough money. And I'll, I'll say, you know what? Do you think about money when you wake up? Yeah, I kind of do. Are you, are you going through your, your bank account when you're going to sleep? Yeah, I kind of do. Because, you know what, buddy, you, you, you bring it up in a lot of conversation, you know. I, I, yeah, yeah. Or, number three, do you reactively avoid people or issues out of fear for confrontation? I mean, you're just maneuvering your life so that, you know. Now, some of you, you should, you know. Some of you should maneuver your path because you know you're a hothead and you shouldn't and you shouldn't be around certain people because they may push your buttons and you're going to say something you shouldn't say or do something you shouldn't. I'm not talking about wisdom. I'm talking about when you're like, ooh, this person's going to be there, this per- and I'm worried I don't want to have to deal with it. Da, da, da. So I'm just going to meander and maneuver and all of a sudden you are doing something extreme to avoid, to avoid the conflict or to avoid the issue. You find it becomes, the concern becomes a worry when it gets to this level. The American Psychiatric Psychiatric Association declared in 2017 that stress and stress-related worries are the number one killer in America. Oh, they may manifest themselves in heart disease or, or various types of cancers or or bleeding ulcers. I, I didn't. I never even knew you could die from those. People die from those. Bleeding ulcers, you know. And so they manifest themselves in a lot of ways. But the cause is all the same. It is stress. So worry, stress, and worry not only takes years off of your life, it takes your life prematurely if we let it. <clears throat> well, the Bible knows all too well about stress and worry. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, the Bible gives the foundation and the reason why we all struggle with worry and anxiety, anger and depression. And it all comes down to this. In Isaiah 59, verse 2, says, Our sins have separated us from God, and even more so this clause, and our sins have hidden his face from us. So in other words, we are in broken fellowship with God and we don't see him. We don't see his face. We don't, we don't instinctively, naturally always recognize where God is at, what he's doing, what he's saying, or how he's leading. And so it hence now, with that state of relationship, we worry. We're going to get to the answer to that in a moment. In Isaiah 9-6, God begins to answer that by saying, Jesus will become the prince of what is the cure to worry, which is peace. He says, for to us a child is born. He's talking about famous Christmas scripture here. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Thank God. And I mean it just like I said it. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, I stole this from David Jeremiah. I have to take it because he wrote a book and he just said it so well. Uh, I don't even want to improvise on it. I don't want to take too long on it. But he gave the three kinds of peace that the Bible associates with God. And the first kind is this. There is the peace with God. There's peace with God. Remember Isaiah 59 two, Our sins have separated us, us from God and they have hidden his face. All right, Romans 5.1 reconnects us to God 
and we don't necessarily hear his face, see his face, but we now have been restored to be able to hear his voice. It says in Romans chapter 5, 1, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. It means the end of the hostilities, the end of that which separated us, the end of that which had caused us to be hidden. The war is over. We have peace with God. Our sins, the sins of the past, the sins we are doing right now, and the sins we will do for the rest of our life are forgiven, paid, and done with because of the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to have peace with God. And let me say this. All peace starts there. You don't get any other peace with, from God or whatever until we bow our knee and surrender and make Jesus Christ the Lord of our life. Why? Because in that decision, we receive the Spirit of God into our heart. And that's the spirit that brings the peace. So right now, if you're here today and you're like, you know what? I don't think I've ever actually said it like that. I don't think I've ever said, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and I make you my Lord and Savior. I may thought, maybe thought I was born into it or maybe thought I was kind of, uh, because I'm an American, I'm a Christian. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I just, you know, no. We have peace with God when we confess our sin, ask Jesus to forgive it, ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, and ask the Father to fill us with the Holy Spirit, then you become born again, you cross over from death to life, and you receive the peace with God. The second one is the peace from God. In John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid because the world cannot give a genuine lasting peace. Just a kind of a temporary abatement from your problems. They'll come back or new ones will spring up. Now the peace from God is sort of that situational peace. God, I'm freaking out. Things are happening. Things are going down. And Jesus, I need peace. And all of a sudden, you, need, you get peace. Peace with God is becoming a follower of Jesus. Peace from God is being able to pray and access that peace in the moment that you need it. And because of the relationship, you got it. It happens through the vehicle of prayer or reading your Bible and having God speak to you as you're reading your Bible. The third one is the peace of God. This is a peace that I would say most of us often fail at the peace of god is sort of a residual peace that you know whatever happens in your life god has got your back god is covering you man things may go great things may go whatever but you just got that settled peace i am in the center of god's affection i am the object of his affection his eye is upon the sparrow how much more is his eye upon me I'm going to live my life, no matter what the situation is, with the peace of God. So peace with God, becoming a follower of Jesus. Peace from God is in that moment when you need to ask for Jesus, I need some peace right now. And then the peace of God, that peace that sort of sustains you lifelong until your dying breath. When we die and we go to heaven, you will never not know a moment that isn't without total peace. Here on earth, you'll have that. Jesus said that. On earth, you'll have trouble.
in heaven, every moment, complete and utter peace. That's the gift that Jesus gives us. All right? The peace with God, peace from God, peace of God. So how do we get the peace? How do we get this? You're like, Thomas, it's all great. I feel like I'm in Bible class, but what I need is the how. I need to do it because when I fly out that door and I get in my car, I got to do something right away because I got something itching at me right now. I said itching. So <clears throat> here's the first thing you do. Romans, or I'm sorry, 1 Peter 5, 7, right? Cast your cares upon him. A lot of us, as we live life, this is uh, uh, Joe Dendy's backpack. You, does this look familiar, Joe? You remember that, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, it's still packed with my last backpacking trip with Kirk Kessler. Kirk had about 35 pounds on his back. I weighed myself, and I put this on, and I weighed it. I have 65 pounds on my back, and I still beat him to the campsite. No, just kidding. <laughs> 65 pounds, and I can tell you right now, when you have 65 pounds, and you've got to go two miles to wherever you're going, oh, it gets heavy. But this, quite frankly, is how a lot of us live our lives. We've got the heaviness of worry and stress. I mean, we're just walking around pretty soon. This is why people spiritually are like this. This is why how people emotionally, they kind of walk around like this. One little thing happens, they're tumbling over. You know, I, I mean, I've done a few truly long hikes in my life. And, you, you know, normally I can hit a, hit a rock and I can catch my feet. But when you're tired and weighted down, one little rock, one little thing, and you can stumble and stumble and all of a sudden your face is in the dirt. This is what stress and worry tries to do to us. Just weigh us down and down till pretty soon. This is how we're walking, right? And we're like, how am I going to get all this weight off of my back? Well, in 1 Peter 5, 7, Peter says, cast all your cares upon God for he cares with you. The word cast has two very definite meanings but I'll give you one definition. It means to throw with vigor. So when you're weighted down, all these worries, all these things in life, this is what God wants you to do. He wants you to cast it down like that. Just cast it down. Don't take it off slowly. Don't take it off gently. You just unbuckle and just cast it down and let it fall to the wayside. Just let it fall. Cast your cares upon him. Cast equals prayer. Our worries, our anxieties, our depressions, our anger needs to be cast. You need to just pray it. Cast it off. And, and when you're casting it, make it feel like there's just a big load coming off. And you just cast it. God, I pray for this. God, I got to give you this. God, I'm feeling this. God, I want to smoke this. God, I'm doing this. I just give it to you, give it to you, give it to you, give it to you. And you're just casting it off. And you walk away saying, you know what, God, it all belongs to you. I'm going to go forward. I don't know what's forward. But I know all my problems belong to God now. I gave them to you. Cast all of your cares to throw with vigor. All your cares. Take all your burdens and give them. to. If you never do this, 
And I know some of you, you, you might not. I mean, this might be good for a sermon. might be entertaining in the moment right now, but you may never do this. And if you never do it, you'll never come back and tell me of how God intervened in your life. The reason why I am so excited about this message is because if you do this, may not happen the first time, may not happen the second time, but there's going to be a point in your life where you cast something to God and God goes, bam! And he supernaturally meets it and you're going, wait a minute. Whoa. I think God just did something in my life because I cast this burden to him and he just nailed it and healed it immediately or gradually. So I'm telling you, don't just think about this. Do it. Cast all your cares upon him to God and Jesus for he cares. Here's where uh, doing a good Bible study will show you. Notice the word cares is used twice in this sentence. The same word translates to cares in English, but it's two different words in the original Greek. By the way, the way that this is written, it's called a biblical chiasm, which means A and A are the same, so you cast for you. The point is to have the subject there. Um, B is to have sort of the the poetic rhymingness of it. All your cares for he cares. C is the agent upon the verb where where the where the where the verb is going to God. And notice how the same word cares is in that verse. In part B, where it says all your cares, the word is called marimna. And marimna means anxious thoughts of peril. Anxious thoughts of peril, cares. But the second word, the one in B on the bottom, is mele. It's a different word. There's two different words. And mele means affectionate thoughts of blessing. Now, some of you, you have cares, like worries, right? And then some of you will say, I care about you. That's affectionate thoughts of blessing, right? What is God saying? Take your marimnas, take your marimnas, all your worries and your thoughts of peril, and give them to me, and I'm going to melee them because I care about you. You take your anxiety and let it meet my affection for you. And let's see what happens. God says, I dare you to do this. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of your sin, and I'm not afraid of the devil. I dare you, cast your cares to me and let me care for you and see what my caring for you does in your life. Amen? Number two, cast your cares, right? And release, but don't reel it back in. I had Kirk bring me in a fishing pole this morning because I wanted to show, and I have, I have, uh, Kirk, can you come up here for a second? Get this ready for me to cast. <laughs> I don't want to take apart his fishing pole. But so often, when we cast stuff to God, it's, some of you are like, yes, I'm going to do that. I'm ready to do that. I can't wait to do that. Here's the problem. For many of you, you're trained to cast your cares, and then what happens in the next moment? You get nervous, right? Wait a minute, I just gave this to God. What if God makes it worse? What if God doesn't 
you know, sorry. What if, what if God doesn't come through for me? Can God be trusted? I mean, I'm casting all these cares to God, and I think the biggest question for some of us may be, what if God does nothing? I don't know if I could live with that disappointed. Right now, I kind of like God, you know, that he, that he leaves me alone, I leave him alone, and, and we don't have a lot of expectations upon each other. But the moment I cast my cares upon him, I'm going to start putting my expectations in there, and I'm afraid that I'm going to be disappointed, right? I mean, let's face it. Sometimes we worry about things because we want to worry about them. We feel like we're in control of them if we worry about them. We feel like we can deal with them if we worry about them. We feel like we can bring about a solution one day if we continue to worry about them because we feel like we are in control. But we don't worry about the things we can control. We worry about the things we can't control. Your worrying about it isn't going to empower you any greater or deeper to deal with it or to be able to overcome it. And so, so often, why don't you demonstrate it for, for us, Kirk? Cast it. Let's see if you can hit Ken right between the eyes. Ken Claiborne. You think you can do that? Let's go for it. Uh, yeah, Janita's the consolation prize, but let's see if you can. Oh, oh, all right. So, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Don't reel it in. You're reeling it in, aren't you? You're doing exactly the opposite of my point here. All right. Now, Ken, go ahead and pick that up. Show everybody where it is. That little cotton ball. See how far it made it? It made it way out. All right. Right now, Ken is God, all right? Ken is the father. He looks like a father, doesn't he? Ken is the father, all right? Kirk, go ahead and give that little tug. Hold on to it, Ken. Don't let go. Don't hook yourself either. Yeah. Feel the tension. Feel the tension. See how that thing's starting to, starting to go down? Feel it. That's what we so often do when we cast our cares upon God. We want to reel it back in because in our heart of hearts, we're afraid he'll ruin it, be disappointed if he doesn't do what we want him to do. When you cast it, leave it and move on. Leave it and move on. Because when you reel it in, go ahead and reel it in. Who's got it again? You do. You do. Either God's going to carry it or you're going to carry it. Amen? Leave it with the Father. Don't reel it back in. Thank you, Kirk. One final point. Never forget how much God really feels about you. Never forget how much God really cares about you. It can be, especially in our world, we can begin to think, you know what, I think God has to tolerate me. I think God has to put up with me. I don't think, it, God, God probably doesn't really like me that much. I mean, he has to take me because I accepted Jesus and he's got to let me in. But if, if God were to be honest with everybody here in the church, he'd say, I don't really like Tom. That's a lie. That's your feelings. That's you. That's not the Bible. That's not God. 
And that's not 1 Peter 5, 7. You see, God has you and your worries on his heart at this very moment. You don't have to worry about tomorrow because God has already been there and he'll meet you when the moment comes. God promises to be with you through every moment, even in the years to come. My son is working on a History Day project, and it's on about the Nazi, it's about the Holocaust. And uh, in Holland, Dutch families began to hide Jews in their homes uh, so that they would save them from the Nazi imprisonment. One night, uh, and again, I just perused the story, one night there was a family who was housing some Jews and they had a hiding place so that when the cops, the Nazi cops, knocked on the door, this Jewish family could run and hide. Well, one night they had just sat down at the dinner table and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, bang, 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 bang! The Nazi cops are banging on the door because there were reports that a family was harboring a Jewish family in that home. And they were terrified. And all of a sudden, the father, the Jewish father, grabbed all the hands and he looked at them all and he said, Shalom. Shalom. Which means peace in Hebrew. And he instructed the Dutch father, go answer the door. Let them in. And they began to pass around the food and have dinner. The Nazi cops came in with all their guns ready to go. We heard that you're harboring Jews in here. Man said, we're not harboring anybody in here. Notice he didn't say Jews. That was his answer. We're not harboring anybody in here. But if you want to look around, feel free to search the house. But we're going to go back and have dinner. And so they began to have dinner as these armed Nazi cops and soldiers are tearing apart their house trying to find these Jews. Finally, they come to the table and they say, we're sorry, sir. Obviously, there's no one here. And the man says something amazing. He says, you know, you and your soldiers don't look well fed. Would you like to stay here? We have enough food for you all. And that night, with the peace of God flooding the whole table, the Nazi soldiers ate with the Jews who were being harbored by the Dutch family. And they spent an hour or so there eating, talking, and laughing. And at the end of the night, the cops went home. You know what that was? That was the peace of God overcoming even our enemies. That was the peace of God overcoming the fear and the worry. That was the peace of God overcoming the terror. Because I can tell you this right now. Had they shown fear, those Nazi cops would have known in a heartbeat. Oh, these are the ones we're looking for. But because God's peace swelled in them so much, they never suspected them. They were in plain sight, but they had the peace of God all over them. That's the peace that God wants to give you. That's the peace that God wants you to live with. The peace with God coming to Jesus. The peace from God, peace when you ask for it. And then the peace of God, the peace you live in. 
So everybody, if you would do me a favor, and if you can, stand right now. And I would like you to put your hand on your heart. And I'm going to give you about 10 seconds. I would like the Holy Spirit to identify a worry or an anxiety that you are currently dealing with. About 10 seconds. Just let it, you know, maybe it's a relationship, it's money, it's health. Any one of those three. Health, money, or relationships. Or it can be all three. Just go ahead and identify it in your thoughts right now. Now look at me. Here's what I'd like you to do. Take your hand and, and like you're scrunching paper. Go like that. Just take it. All right. Lift your hand up in the air. Everybody, lift your hand up in the air. Cock back a little bit. And throw it. Throw it. And leave it. Don't go back and get it. Leave it. Because God cares about you right now right here in this moment he knows what you cast he can read your thoughts he's closer to you than you even realize leave it with him and in exchange receive his peace amen